Hey there, I'm Tatsu. And I'm Jeff. And this is Button Downs and Basketball Shorts. Where we buck the fear-based narrative and explore topics in a fun and unique way. All in service of personal growth. Welcome to this episode of Button Downs and Basketball Shorts. I am your co-host Tatsu. And I'm Jeff. And today's topic, what are we getting into today, Jess? What do you want to get into, man? Well, I probably want to get into some NBA playoffs, but what we're actually getting into is anger and sadness. Mmm. Mmm. Maybe we'll see some of that game seven tonight. That's right. Probably. At least from some folks. From some folks. <laughs> All right, we're going into the emotions, emotions, emotions. Um, what is your experience with anger and sadness? Oh, I think most part it's avoidance of those emotions. Those would not be my like favorite emotions um, of the emotion smorgasbord. Um, yeah, I mean, I think I'm pretty sure we've talked about this one episode in the podcast, but I remember, you know, having a lesson with this like world renowned coach when I was playing tennis and they were like first three lessons with this guy. And he was kind of like the guy you went to, if you wanted to like go pro and he would kind of evaluate and see where you were at. And he sat me down pretty quickly. And uh, I was kind of an emotional player, like throwing rackets, yelling, uh, all the things, all the range of emotions. And he told me that, you know, you can't do that. Like you specifically can't do that. And he was like, most people can't do that. Most people can't get like super angry, super emotional on tennis court and winning matches. And he was right. And I was when I was 16 and it wasn't until man, my early thirties that I like stopped listening to that advice. So I took his advice because actually he was talking about on the tennis court. He wasn't trying to say that I was going to be my whole life, but his point was on the tennis court, like don't get too high. Don't get too low. For me, it was kind of like play tennis. Like you're playing poker. Don't give anything away. Right. Mm. And I chose subconsciously and then consciously to do that uh, with all things, relationships, um, school, friendships. Um, it was easier for me to compartmentalize, hey, if I'm gonna be this way in sports, let me just be this way throughout. So I avoided it for, oh man, like probably 16 years. Mm. And, and then opening that door it became a little, a little much. Uh, one of my fellow coach mentors used to say, well, when you turn the water on after it hasn't been on for a while, the floodgates open up. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of what I think of. I think of that story, that time period, that freeze on expressing those specific emotions. Um, and then obviously different stuff now, but that's the first thing I think of when I think of anger and sadness. So, so when the, when the, the water faucet turned on, this was like in your thirties. Yep. 
Yep. I had pretty much started going through the coach training program that we went through mm. and I was relatively new dad and yeah, man, it was, <laughs> it was definitely different. I mean, to be crying at like Hallmark commercials out of nowhere or and trying to hold it back, obviously. And, um, practicing things that I hadn't practiced before, you know, like I think the closest thing I got to, to expressing those emotions intentionally was smashing rackets. I smashed a lot of rackets in my youth. Mm. Well, in your youth. So this was before you were taught to. Even after that, even after that. So that was like midway through high school. And then I was still smashed some rackets in college, a little bit on the tour, not nearly as much. Mm -hmm. Um, but it's still, I wouldn't, I would call that borderline intentional. Most of that was reactionary in the moment. Every once in a while, I would take an old racket and be like, Hey, I need to go like smash a tree with this racket. But most of it was like reactionary. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then, you know, for me, like my parents would like argue no physical violence ever, um, towards each other. And, you know, I got like basic spankings, nothing crazy, but, um, yelling, lots of yelling. And we lived in like a, you know, kind of smallerish town home. So like you could be anywhere in the house and you're going to hear that. Doesn't matter if the door is closed, windows closed, you're going to hear it. So that was what like what I saw. Um, and again, it wasn't all the time, but that was the thing. So I had this malaise that anger was bad. Right. And sadness was weakness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, same here, man. Anger was bad. Sad, sadness was weakness. So don't express either. And when I did express anger, there's like a bunch of holes in the walls in this house, in my parents' house, <laughs> throwing stuff, punching walls and stuff. Um, I think that are still there. Some of them, um, maybe cover it up with some posters. <laughs> uh, and, and then I'd get in trouble for that. Right. So it's bad to express. And then when I do express, it just reinforces that, okay, it's not good for me to express anger, you know? So it was always, I think just locked up those emotions were locked up in my body and I didn't really, after a while, it's like, okay, well, they're gone. And then I just move on with my life and just thinking that they're not there anymore. You know, thinking that it's, oh, I'm, I'm good. I'm, I'm happy. I'm, you know, pretty calm, peaceful, good life. You know, there's, there's nothing in there. It's gone. Little did I know decades later, like you said, when the, when the, when the water, when the faucet turns on, man, it is crazy, crazy what's, what's locked up in there, you know? Um, are you more comfortable with the, the anger or the sadness? I mean, it's pretty close to like neither. Um, I think even now, like assuming like I'm not going for like a long run or going to bash a lot of balls at the driving range, like intentionally releasing the anger, assuming I don't do any of that. I think for me, the anger is scarier mm. um, and scarier for the people around me. Like 
I don't really get upset much at uh, my kids or staff or anything like that. But when I do, I can see the look in their face. Mm-hmm. And like, I think that's what spooks me more than anything. Um, I think that's probably like externally, like others, anger, sadness for me. Like, it's just tough to be with. Um, so I would say anger in general, but only because I feel like there's still some like unpredictable, like unsafeness to it. Never hit any of my kids, never hit my wife. Shoot, barely even hit friends growing up, but never as an adult hit, like another friend had of anger. Um, I think, yeah, I mean, yeah, I can't even, I can't even think of the last time I did something out of anger and like hurt a tree. I mean, this was like mid twenties, still playing, but like post retirement, I don't think I've ever done something uncharacteristically. I maybe thrown a golf club, but even that was like almost like a a launch, not like a I'm gonna bash the golf club. There's still like a I'm just gonna release this thing into the wild out of frustration that I'm gonna break something. Um, so I think there's still a piece of like safety there. Um, where like going to a rage room, well, I think would be pretty fun because like you're, again, it's, you're wearing protection, right? Like you're supposed to break that stuff. It's set up to break that stuff. And it's like really like unleash all of that wild up anger. I think that'd be pretty cool. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, um, I think anger probably for me, um, and then I would say, like, I think that whatever people's initial response is, it's probably the one behind it, which would be sadness. Like, on the surface, it's anger, right? Mm-hmm. And all those logical explanations make sense. But maybe the thing I'm really avoiding is sadness, right? Mm-hmm. What about you? Anger or sadness? I think... anger for me yeah there's there is a scariness about it when when i get angry and like you just like you i don't get angry very often and i think that shocks people when i do get angry only a few people in my life have really seen me angry and whenever i did in those times like you know it's like there's a there's this tension in the room where it's like oh all right we, we crossed the line that we didn't need to cross. Um, part of it is my, my own fault for not setting boundaries, you sure. know, <laughs> like warning them yeah. uh, and just keep getting pushed into a corner. But yeah, I think there's a, uh, what I don't like about anger. I remember like being super, super angry and my eyes would tear when I'm super, super angry. And I'm like, what's that about, you know? And I'm thinking that like deep down, I don't want to be angry. Like this isn't my nature, but I'm getting pushed to this point where I'm getting angry, that angry. And it's, and it's, it's sad for me. You know, it's like painful for me emotionally to be angry. Cause I just, it's just not coming from a place of, of who I am, you know? So maybe that was what it is. I don't know. Uh, 
But as far as a sadness, I've done a lot of practice of like crying, especially like pandemic time, 2020, 2021, when I spent a lot of time alone in my apartment um, on purpose crying, just getting, getting used to just letting those tears fly and where the edge was, just continue to push that edge and let it go. And even to a point where I cried with my sister on a video call, maybe a few months back. So we never expressed emotions in our household growing up. And for about maybe a year or less than a year, like my sister and I have been doing a monthly video call. And we've been just connecting on a deeper and deeper level, sharing like what our experiences were as kids, you know, what our thoughts are about our parents and, you know, how like we're Im impacted by the way they raised us and all that kind of stuff. <clears throat> and then one time she, she started crying first and she was, um, was very open with it. And then, then I shared something that made me bring up tears, you know, mm -hmm. about a conversation that I had with my mom. And, um, I was like, oh, what an awesome, uh, breakthrough for, for us. You know, so for me to even like cry or cry by myself is one thing, but crying in front of her was probably maybe the, the most resisting thing I would cry in front of like other friends or strangers, but in a, in a container, of course, um, on purpose, but yeah, this, that might've been, that might've been the most like resistance I had to crying in front of somebody, but by then I think I was ready to do it. So, but still anger, man, it's not going to come out like, uh, and especially in front of people, it really isn't. Although there was a, there was a workshop that I did where I did on purpose and, uh, it was awesome. But, um, yeah, that's, that leads me to the next question is like, there's a lot of practices that you've done both on the anger side, sad side. Um, what are some things that you've done to, to do it on purpose? Yeah. And you know, it's, it's tricky, right? Cause you have to, I feel like hold, like we've been conditioned to hold that. Like we're not the only people listening to this that mm -hmm. have feelings that anger is bad and sadness is a weakness or some version of that, that allows us to withhold it. Mm -hmm. So I think, you know, the first part is like being willing because I just was so unwilling for a long time. Uh, and then like, like tears, oh, those are just like things coming out of your eyes. Like we assign the meaning to those. Mm -hmm where technically it's just a reaction to a thought or an experience we're having. We don't have to say it's good, bad. Like we, we make that stuff up. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. But, you know, I think for me, it's like going back to things that inherently were sad that maybe I didn't allow, um, to process or things that would be sad, you know, putting myself in the future and then putting myself in those spots, um, music or, or movies or TV shows, 
that take me back to something that maybe I was sad about or reminding me a really easy one for me is like my dad. So I don't know if I processed that hundred percent of him passing away. I mean, we moved up, we moved up our wedding. It was a crazy time. I got married, was working a full-time job. The next day I had finals while I was going back to school and pursuing my undergrad. It was no like go grieve and do whatever. Like I was back to work the next day. So I think I processed it over time, you know, in my own way, but if I just go back to those places, those times, and then I have a space, right? Like I'm not gonna just randomly cry in front of my kids for no reason, or, you know, I will like cry if they're crying or whatever, let them know what's going on, but you got to start with where you're at. So like, I would do a lot of intentional, all right, I'm feeling something, let me take advantage of that feeling instead of having to drum that up out of nowhere. Like the gradient was too high for me. So hey, I'm feeling something cool is now, can I do something now? Can I bookmark this and maybe later I can do something? Um, so I was very like aware, like again, that faucet turning on mm -hmm. made me hyper aware of like, oh, I'm feeling sadness here. I'm feeling sadness here. I'm feeling anger here. So it gave me a more spotlight instead of prior to that, I just was so like a hard shell over those emotions. Right. And like, even to this day, like I have to like lean into joy just as much mm -hmm. as my training was don't get too high. Don't get too low. Mm -hmm. So my thought process from an automatic point of view is if you get too high, you will have to balance out by being low. So if you're happy, you will be sad sooner. And again, happy, good, sad, bad in that dynamic. Not true, but that's from an automatic standpoint. So I think being aware and then having a bunch of like random practices, I would carry around like an old tennis racket, go bang that a couple of times. Um, exercising, whether it's weightlifting or running or hitting a golf ball or shooting jump shots until like I can't do it anymore. I hate, mm -hmm. you know, like basically sweating out the anger and the frustration and whatever like happened, happened when I was doing those things. Um, sometimes writing, like if I don't have the space bandwidth, if it's 2 a.m., I'm probably not going to go outside and go for a run, but I'll go write. Um, so, like, I just got really keen with what worked and when those things worked. And a lot of things didn't work. Like, for me, punching a pillow didn't work. Streaming, like, didn't work necessarily. Then eventually it would, but it had to be in the right circumstance. So, I think with a lot of trial and error, a lot of, like, I don't care how stupid this feels, right? Right. I'm going to try it anyway. Um, and so, yeah, so I picked up a few things that usually work. And um, talking about it, I think, helps too. Mm -hmm. Instead of like being on my own island. So partnership around those things help with friends, colleagues, uh, staff. You know, those things help. Yeah. Nice. Um, I'm curious for you, 
Because my big thing is if I knew this earlier, I would have started this earlier. So if I knew like what was on the other side of expressing the thing that I was forbidding myself to express, mm-hmm. like what, like what for you has changed? You mentioned the pandemic, you mentioned you took advantage of practicing sadness and being with sadness, you know, spending all that time alone. I know obviously you did a lot of work before the pandemic, but like work on the other side of expressing those forbidden emotions. Freedom, health. I think my understanding now is that our minds could play tricks and justify things and make stories up and pretend like everything's okay, but the body, the body doesn't lie. So that stuck energy Mm. eventually will manifest itself in ailments whether we're getting sick a lot, getting colds a lot, or getting like aches and pains and, you know, to the extreme like disease and stuff like that. Um, I, I believe that it's energy related. And just because we think that everything's okay, doesn't mean that it's not there. So the physical elements definitely are clues to there's something, something's up, right? I didn't understand that before. I also didn't understand that it's okay to express them, that there is, that we're human and it's being, uh, being human to express, right? It's part of being human and it's healthy to express it. Um, as long as we're doing it in a safe way that I was never taught in my home or in school ever, or by friends. I. I just was never taught that. So, um, yeah, there's just, it's a, it's a, it's a fallacy that we need to just hold it all in. It's a, it's a fallacy that it's okay. Everything just, it's all good. If, if I think it's all good then it's all good, no. Like, I think that education is missing. It's lacking. It's general education. What about you? Yeah, I agree, man. I think there had to be something in pop culture. Because again, like we don't really learn that from our parents except for observing. Like they're not sitting us down saying, anger is bad, sadness is bad. Right? Mm-hmm. They're trying to do their best. Like, yeah. oh, shake it off. Or like, you're okay. Mm-hmm. Or whatever and like i get that but like all the movies all the tv shows like all the music like there had to be something in there um that showed that anger was bad and sadness was weakness right mm-hmm. so i think you know a little bit of the product of the environment i agree like i don't remember anything in school teaching us anything about that stuff whatsoever I don't know. Now I'm sure there's more of that. Um, talking about feelings, expressing feelings, none of that. Um, yeah, and on the other side, like, they just have a more genuine experience, um, a lighter experience. It's not like we don't hold things. I think we still do. 
but there's the release button is available to like be pressed a lot more. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, like just like there's a safe, responsible way to express anger, there's probably a safe, responsible way to express sadness. Mm-hmm. Um, and like in a safe spot, mostly for the person expressing it. And then for the people that are around there, if there's other people there. Um, so I think, again, education is big. And I think you hit on the, the nail on the head. It's well-being. You know, it's physical, emotional, spiritual well-being. Mm-hmm. And mental clarity, you know. And, you know, you can go a little crazy if you constantly know you can't say or express certain things. Mm-hmm. Uh, I actually think a lot of that ties into, like, looking for other ways to cope, mm-hmm. you know, um, addictions, drugs, alcohol, whatever, um, to cope with not being able to, or not feeling like you're able to express yourself. Um, so it just becomes easier to numb it. Oh yeah. Yeah. So, you know, again, I think when we talk mental health and, and I would say the last like 10, 20 years, mental health has taken some huge advances, just mm-hmm. conversations like this. Like 20 years ago, I don't know how many podcasts there were openly to like random coaches talking about this, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe at some like, you know, summit with like 50 yeah. people, but it wasn't as easily spread like it is now, which I think is huge, having conversations, especially like with men. Like, mm-hmm. Putting down like the traditional definitions of masculinity, femininity, and like really exploring like what does that actually mean? Mm-hmm. And you know we've talked about this a bunch, right? Kim, you you got to hold both, right? To me, it's like our political system. Mm-hmm. Usually, most folks are liberal with certain things and conservative in other things. If we took off the stigmas of those two words, mm-hmm. um, and by far this is not a political podcast. Mm-hmm. But just to have that analogy out there, it's the same with femininity and masculinity, right? We have to be able to be with, express both. How are we, if not, how are we, how are we going to coexist with other people, right? So I think, again, the, the reason we can say that is, well, we've done some education. We've done some work in those areas. Um, so I think it probably boils down to education, boils down to being okay to have exploratory conversations without having to be right. Mm -hmm. And, and I think again, looking at like where we as society can improve Mm -hmm. and being willing to have these conversations, um, you know, you're looking at anger and sadness, like pretty big emotions, right? Mm -hmm. Especially with like our upbringing, if, you know, if someone's listening now and they're like, Man, I don't even know where to start. Yeah. What do you got for someone listening that's kind of just now like getting some light bulbs of like, oh man, this is kind of in my way. What can someone do to move through that and really redefine their definition of anger and sadness for that? Um, I think first to understand that I think fear is driving the suppression of anger and sad emotions. 
as well as like even like super, super high joy, yeah. you know, expressing that. There's fear in expressing that. For whatever reason, everybody has their own fears. Our parents have our own fears, right? And that's been perpetuated. So it's not, it's not rooted in love. Don't express because it's a loving thing. No, it's expressed because it's a loving thing, right? So first understanding that. And I would say, um, like you, you mentioned earlier, like deciding that you want to practice expressing, like giving yourself permission that it's okay to express and there's a safe way to express. And by expressing, it's going to expand the range of emotions that I have access to. Therefore, the more situations I'm in, I have more repertoire of tools to show up in the, in the best way I can. Cool. Right. Making the decision and then actually starting small. So here's a small practice. Um, for me, it works and it's just like a burst. But when I'm in a place where I feel like I could scream, and usually I don't scream for very long, but it's just the one yell. Um, and it's usually in my car. If I'm just feeling like stress and frustrated, I'll just yell. And that one burst will like take my voice out for some reason, you know? So it's pretty powerful, um, for anger, for sadness. I would say, watch a movie alone, whatever movie that could bring you to tears. It doesn't have to be sad. It could be very you know, loving, um, but something that will bring you to tears and just notice where that edge is, where you stop the tears from flowing. Cause there's always going to be some kind of edge where you start to feel uncomfortable where I'm crying too much or whatever. Right. Um, so what about you practices for the, for the peeps? Yeah, I like that. Um, I think there's gonna be a lot of people that think they're good. Oh yeah. I was one of them, <laughs> you know, like, and look, like you might be, I don't know. You could have been putting in work for 30 years in this stuff. And that's awesome. <laughs> but for those that haven't, um, I would just take a look at, would you want your kids or the future generation of any kind to have the same relationship with those two things, anger and sadness as you? And think about it. Don't don't rush to judgment on that and just spend some time with that question. And if the answer is no, then start doing some work. And you know, got a lot of smart people out of the world. Go pick a practice that resonates with you. But I think it first starts with a decision and you gotta be real with yourself. And I don't know anyone on the planet that doesn't have more room for growth and anger and sadness. Um, in our relationship with that. So take a look, decide, and then start with anything you want. Nice. I love it, man. Yeah. It's like, even just saying that it's okay to do that, like to have someone. And if this is the first time all of you listeners out there hearing that it's okay to express anger and sadness, and it's, there's, there's safe ways to do it, then let that be known and pass it on, pass yeah. on the work. <laughs> there it is, man. Well, I love it. Another, another speedy one. This might, this might be another part two.
coming. We'll see. That was awesome. As usual, um, where can the peeps find us? They can find us on all major podcast streaming platforms, uh, jeffmillercoaching.com, social media outlets. Hit us up, like us, follow, please share, send us suggestions on, on new topics. Um, please keep it coming. Love to hear from you. Yep. No, it's, it's awesome. Love this, love this episode and we'll keep it rolling. Looking forward to the next one, man. Thank you for checking out this episode of Button Downs and Basketball Shorts. And if you got some value today, please subscribe and share and we'll see you on the next one.